0: Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Guys Like Us podcast. Today, I chat with Eric Tietzel. Eric is currently living in Kansas, and as we'll discuss in this podcast, has spent the the past few years jumping around and and most notably working as the faith director for Marco Rubio's presidential campaign. And we'll, we'll talk about that more as well i um, excited to have you all listen and, and hear a bit of a different perspective than what I currently chat about and um, hear, hear about some of his beliefs, but ultimately how we're able to find unification um, among all of us and, and able to live and coexist in, in this, this giant community in this world that we live in today. Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and today I am joined by Eric Tietzel. Eric is currently based in Kansas, um, and a bit more about Eric, he is the president of the Family Poly- Policy, Alliance, uh, Policy Alliance of Kansas, um, and as we'll discuss in this podcast, um, has some, some quite interesting and, and diverse experiences um, in faith, politics, and really at the intersection of the two. So, without further ado, Eric's thanks so much for joining today.
1: Well, thanks, Tyler. It's a pleasure.
0: Absolutely, it's my pleasure. Um, so, how I kick us off is just by opening up in prayer. So I can I can kick us off. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing Eric and I together uh, this evening. Just incredibly happy and grateful to be able to connect. Um, and just hear a bit more about Eric's background, his story, and how he's using your gifts um, to the best of his ability, and just where he is right now, and how he's looking to make an impact on the world. I'm just excited to hear um, what's been going on with him, and just how I can support and and, and be there um, in spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, um, to kick us off, um, I, I think it's it just, it just most fitting just to ask kind of about your background and what the intersection of faith and politics uh, really entails as I, you know, that's kind of your M.O. now.
1: Yeah, well, sure, thanks, I won't go on and on because uh, your kind introduction alludes to um, the fact that I've had a lot of jobs in a short period of time. Um, so uh, uh, I'll just give the, a brief overview and then uh, we can dive in wherever you want I, uh, I'm an army brat uh, my dad was in the, uh, in the army for 29 years so we moved around a lot uh, I was always very interested in policy and politics ended up going to a Christian college outside Chicago college, and uh, uh, unlike I guess most people who end up in policy uh, college was actually a time when I, when I got away from it I just was doing other stuff um, in fact, uh, after four years of my undergraduate experience, I went and got a master's degree in education with an emphasis in, in something called student affairs, which is basically the track for people who want to become a dean of students or, or something similar to that. Um, so I did that and uh, worked at a small Christian college in Denver. Uh, my first full-time job, I was a life direction advisor uh, at the age of 23. had a lot of wisdom to, uh, to pass around. And uh, so I did that for a couple of years and then through a whole range of circumstances ended up being offered a job at a think tank in D.C. called the American Enterprise Institute. They were launching a new project to teach Christian college students about the links between the values of faith and the free enterprise system. And I didn't know anything about capitalism or economics or really public policy, um, but I knew Christian higher ed. And so they brought me in to kind of sherpa them through those treacherous waters um, and it was my introduction to, to politics and public policy um, at the national level. I uh, did that for about three years and then uh, took over something called the Manhattan Declaration for another three or four years. Uh, for those who don't know, the Manhattan Declaration was a statement about uh, the issues of life, marriage, and religious freedom and why people of Christian faith uh, ought to affirm those goods and uh, stand in their defense. It was launched by Chuck Colson and Robbie George and a whole host of other Christian leaders. Uh, did that for about four years, worked on the Marco Rubio campaign, and then uh, the campaign for my senator, uh, Senator Jerry Moran. And after all of that, uh, the job that I have now is as the president and executive director of the Family Policy Alliance of Kansas, which again is an organization dedicated to the issues of life, marriage, and religious freedom. Uh, focused on policy here at the state level in uh, in the wonderful state of Kansas.
0: Awesome. That's a that's a very thorough introduction. So I, I appreciate the context. And and um, one thing I, I wanted to touch on is is kind of looking at the the, the different I guess core values you could say of the Manhattan D- Declaration and then uh, you know of, of where you where you are right now. Um, so uh, can you just say them one more time? So is life, um, marriage, and religious freedom? Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's right. Those are the those are the top line issues. Okay. And, um, obviously, uh, properly understood, within each of those buckets, um, can fit a whole range of other issues. Uh, the dignity of human life is a very broad uh, principle, an essential one. I, I'd argue a foundational one. Um, and there are a lot of things that fit under that. Abortion certainly is the
0: foremost example,
1: but it's not the only mm-hmm. one. Um, so we talked about life. Uh, as regards the issue of abortion but also uh, things like assisted suicide um, a lot to do with uh, uh, science and the ethics of different uh, new scientific techniques as they relate to life uh, that sort of thing and the same could be said for for family you know uh, that's one that's often understood to mean uh, gay marriage and it certainly (laughs) did mean that especially for me during that period of time which was the on-ramp to Windsor and Obergefell and all the rest, um, but uh, uh, the family, properly understood, is much bigger than uh, than just uh, a policy decision about about who gets to be considered married for tax purposes. Um, it really has has more to do with um, how we organize ourselves as a society, and um, and and the best way to um, uh, prepare children to be healthy and productive uh, future leaders in society Um, and then religious freedom um, Mm -hmm. is one that uh, uh, is a little more straightforward although uh, it's bearing on many different aspects of
0: life makes it nonetheless um, pretty interesting and and somewhat complicated. Mm -hmm. Well excellent. Um, So one question I want to ask on that too and um, please let me know if this doesn't make sense but um, you know, when, it, when you talk about these two different elements, faith and politics, do you feel like there is one that is, you know, kind of a, a bit more profound or kind of is the guiding force is, you know, kind of in where you are right now? Does, does faith really influence politics or, you know, is there sometimes where, where politics will, will sometimes uh, kind of influence your, your beliefs as well?
1: Mm, yeah uh, well that's a, a really good question an important one and I want to give a really clear answer uh, I, I hope that faith is always the primary thing and the, the dimension of this that's driving everything else um, if ever my politics were to um, uh, work back and influence my faith I, I hope that someone would call me out on it um, as, a, as an evangelical Christian who's given his life to Jesus who mm-hmm. believes that the Bible is the Word of God and the source of all truth and wisdom. Um, if I'm not uh, doing things that are uh, consistent with the full counsel of God's Word uh, as best I can understand it in my limited capacity, then, then I'm in error. And uh, uh, that's how I try to live anyway. But certainly, if you check my Twitter feed, I fail all
0: the time. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Twitter, Twitter is an easy way to, um, to, to make mistakes. But you know, but also a, a great way to get your word out too.
1: Yeah, it can be. I guess.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so on that note, I, I want to shift gears a little bit and and talk about your your the presidential campaign with Marco Rubio. Um, I know this was, you know, as you mentioned, was a. Was a career or you know a job in a short amount of time, and kind of seeing how quick that went. Um, Want to start start back and um, look at how you initially assumed this position, and then kind of taking us forward and, and what your time was was like during this really incredibly interesting presidential election. And I can speak for myself, being in D.C., there you know you could really see this this divide. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm sure that uh, that was a really interesting experience for, for you being in DC during that time. Uh, that that was something I experienced too uh, in 2012. Though obviously that election was of a whole different uh, nature, mm-hmm. uh, the one that we most recently had. So I'd be I'd be interested to hear
0: your stories. Um, yeah, like so many
1: other opportunities I've had in life, I I don't I don't know what to say about. Um, being able to work for um, Senator Rubio, uh, other than it was a gift and a, and a blessing. I didn't earn it, I didn't deserve it. Um, I, I happened to um, know some people who knew some people, and, uh, and in this case, I um, had a, a very uh, strong desire to do this work and a recognition that nobody else was doing it for him, at least that I could see. So I did uh, step out my uh, of my own comfort zone and call in some favors and ask some people if they would mind saying something to somebody. But in the end, um, it was um, uh, it was just uh, by God's grace that the uh, decision was made to to bring me on. And um, you know, I can tell you that like they hired me, and at one point I sent an email to my to my boss and said, "Hey, what's my title?" And he emailed me back a few minutes later and said. Good question. What do you want your title to be? <laughs> so that, you know, That's the nature of a presidential campaign. It's, it's very much on the fly. Um, it is geared towards people who can work comfortably and efficiently and well without strict boundaries. Because one minute you're doing Excel work uh, in an office in Des Moines when it's zero degrees outside. And the next minute you're helping uh, with an event uh, across the state in a barn. Uh, you just never know what, where you're going to need to be. But my primary job was to be the, um, uh, the the point person for Marco's faith outreach, and in Republican primary politics, that that mostly means uh, evangelicals. Uh, <clears throat> in particular, Iowa, South Carolina, and uh, and then Florida, uh, which were the places that I was deployed.
0: <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, so. Yeah, and, and that was actually kind of leading into my my next question. Um, when you look at faith outreach, um, you know, obviously, getting into these different communities and 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 you know, just just trying to, I guess, you know, just chat with them and, and have conversation and and get them on board. As you mentioned, it was so that was pretty focused then on evangelical Christians, or were you also, you know, was there also an emphasis on? On on broadening and and bring in other Christian groups as well. Since you know being the, the faith director, I'm sure you didn't have a lot of folks that you were working with.
1: Um, I did not have a lot of folks uh, that I was working with. At least not on my team. Although we did have a, a super volunteer, a guy who became a good friend of mine named Martin, okay.
0: um, who uh, is Jewish, and um, and he he came in
1: and and I went to him and he, he obviously knew his his community his religious community had lots of contacts there and I asked if he would mind sort of picking up that baton and uh, and running with it because it wasn't my area of expertise I didn't I didn't know the secret handshakes right and, and he did and so he did a lot of really good work for Marco on that front um, but you know it, it's really just as I mentioned the, the nature of the beast in this in this specific role um, in a place like Iowa, uh, evangelicals, and, and if you want, we can talk about that, that word. A lot of people use it in a lot of different ways, and, and it probably has a slightly different meaning for for everyone who hears it. When I say it, I mean um, you're kind of like everyday uh, Christian uh, who goes to a, a, a community Bible church or, or a Baptist church or an evangelical free church or something, right? Um, uh, standard Protestant evangelical Christian, someone who wouldn't, um, uh, who, who wouldn't uh, affirmatively say that they were, you know, an, uh, a member of the Orthodox tradition or the Catholic
0: tradition. Mm,
1: okay, there are in, in my in my work anyway. We certainly uh, reached out to uh, Lutheran churches for example. Some people would say evangelical and exclude members of mainline denominations and for good reason, but for my purposes I was just trying to find people who love Jesus mm-hmm. and when we're going to participate in the Iowa caucuses and so mm-hmm. we called those evangelicals and um, and,
0: uh, and then the same was, was, was true in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you were, you know, outreaching these people and and just finding people who love Jesus, you um, were you going back to kind of these these you know these these main tenets and beliefs that have kind of been part of your experience, or is there other is there other elements that you would really try and 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 you know hammer home and and make a focal point?
1: Yeah, those those are the main ones. Okay, um, I think that uh, uh, the life issue was was
0: obviously a motivating factor mm-hmm. um, in that election, in every election um, in in modern political history. It's it's been a, a huge thing that gets. Um, uh,
1: evangelicals to the polls that care a lot about this issue not just evangelicals but certainly evangelicals um there were a few others you know in, in this election the um uh, future of the supreme court i would say was probably one b of uh items of concern to people of faith um and certainly the people that we were trying to reach so we talked a lot about um scalia's seat and uh and the prospect that other seats might might open up, and I think if you did, and people have uh, polls of, of self-professed evangelicals, they would tell you that was a, a main reason why they they eventually made the decision that they did. Um, the primaries uh, are a unique beast because you have a bunch of candidates, most of whom um, at the end of the day would fall in the same position when it comes to these issues, or at least they tell you that they do in order to get your vote. So, you know, how do you, how do you go into Iowa and try to convince, um, somebody in, uh, Des Moines or, uh, uh, Cedar Rapids to pick Marco instead of Ted or Trump or, uh, Huckabee or Santorum or, you know, uh, there were a lot of guys, um, Uh, Bobby Jindal, uh, there were a lot of guys in this race that had serious credibility when it comes to the issues that uh, are most concerned to evangelical Christians, and Mm -hmm. so the real challenge for me was figuring out uh, both how to win people over and also how to get turnout among demographics that um, I hypothesized were going to be most likely to be a a Rubio-type of a uh, christian as opposed to say a a cruise type or this new thing
0: that we come to know as a trump type and i'm not sure we really do know what that means actually. <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't know if we do know what that means either um and I, I actually want to rewind a bit and and you mentioned that there was somebody else that helped you um that was uh, that is um is currently of jewish faith or 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 was previously of jewish 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 faith i just want to make sure i understand Yeah, yeah, is, is. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so, you know, that person that was a volunteer would, so they would be reaching out and speaking to, to, you know, to Jewish communities and um, was, was, was a lot of his job also focused on outreach? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I, I guess the question I want to ask then is how, you know, how were you able to kind of both being under this, this, this campaign, both, how were you both able to, kind of serve two different religions you know obviously there's a lot of you know there's a lot of truce um there's a lot of overlap between um judaism and christianity but but ultimately um two different sides
1: uh well uh we were not um we were not engaged in a uh in a race to win souls mm-hmm. we were engaged in a race to get people to vote for marco rubio so mm-hmm. okay. i think that the um the strategy was to show people why Marco was the kind of uh, leader uh, who would um, uh, stand up and defend and promote uh, the things that they cared about. And for evangelicals, those things were uh, we think animated by by their Christian faith. And for many uh, Jews, uh, they're animated by their by their Jewish faith. Um, and, uh, and and Marco happened to be the kind of candidate whose whose leadership on a whole range of issues um, was was quite appealing to to those demographics and of course many others.
0: Awesome, great. Um, the next thing I wanted to, to chat about, you know, <laughs> along with your um, your you know in, engagement in, in outreach, I know that you are now a, a co-author of a book, Marriages, How Marriage Transforms Society and Cultivates human flourishing um can you kind of give us a a brief intro into the book and kind of you know your quick you know 30 second pitch on 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 onto what it is you know for folks who might not be familiar
1: yeah absolutely i'll give a shout out to my best friend andrew walker who uh, co-wrote this book with me and we're still best friends after co-writing a book together (laughs) Uh, it's a real testament
0: yeah uh, more than me um for sure we uh in
1: our work did a lot on um, on marriage. What is it, Uh, what should our public policy be related to marriage Uh, from a theological perspective, from a philosophical perspective, uh, from a sociological, historical perspective, and on and on. And as he and I were engaged in that work, we both came to an understanding, which is that marriage is the foundation of human civilization. Um, it, it is no coincidence that uh, the first thing that that God did when he created uh, when he created everything uh, was to uh, identify the fact that man needed a, a partner and he created woman and uh, before you know it they have kids and that was his way of designing uh, and ordering uh, this creation that, that he
0: made and he, he gives them dominion right over the, mm-hmm. over the world so right from the start we see there's something going on here and today
1: if you look at social science data it tells you um, the same story if you're looking at good solid empirical research i don't care who's doing it i don't care what the specific question is what it'll tell you is in situations where you're looking at um, social ills uh, crime abuse um, illiteracy lack of educational attainment um, Uh, poverty, hunger, uh, alcoholism, uh, drug abuse, Mm -hmm. any of those uh, social ills that we would identify, a person who is raised in a home with their biological mom and dad is going to be less likely to uh, experience or engage in those behaviors. That's just a fact. We just know that that's a fact. Now, there's no such thing as a silver bullet, right? There are people who are raised in a home with their biological mom and dad who experience hardship, who, who get involved in things that that as a society we would recognize as, as not good, as pernicious. Um, but at the meta level, if you look at the data, we know kids who are raised in a home with their mom and their dad tend not to experience those things at the same rate as people who come from any other home type. And so our argument in the book is basically, if you really care about the poor. If you really care about giving children a chance to achieve everything they're capable of being, uh, you should care about marriage, and you should want to preserve and protect and uphold and uplift um, the basic unit uh, of of marriage and the
0: family. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, well, a, a question I had is, you know, in the book or or even just to you personally, do you do you receive? Um, or do you, I guess, explain different, different counter arguments in the book or, you know, or is, 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 and is there, is there a lot of folks who are continuously maybe asking questions or, and, you know, and just, just questioning kind of, you know, even kind of going back to these, you know, as you mentioned, the philosophical, uh, societal and theological perspectives.
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, we don't really, uh, tackle, um, uh, counter arguments that much and mm-hmm. we address um, gay marriage uh, to some degree in the book, of course you have to, but our, mm-hmm. our goal is not to write a book about the difference between marriage and, and same-sex marriage mm-hmm. uh, or any other form of marriage so much as it was to just um, drill down into what, what marriage is and even more than that, why it matters mm-hmm. and it is what it is. And to try to give people a vision of um, how we might start to um, start to really rebuild and uh, and create a a, a better um, society with more opportunity for everyone. Um, yeah, we got a lot of pushback, of course. Um, people uh, uh, people don't want to believe that this could be true. Uh, there's there are some studies out there that would show that um, other uh, family arrangements are fine. Uh, we could get into criticisms of that research and why some is better than others and I'd be happy to admit that uh, there's a lot maybe that uh, that we that we don't know that we know that we don't. Know. Um uh but uh at the end of the day I I'm 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 proud of the fact that we were able to change this conversation a little bit and hopefully uh, get some people thinking about what marriage is um uh and and why it's important.
0: Great. Yeah. And and I I I love that that last point too and I think you know the, the the purpose, or you know, one of the the main reasons for this podcast too, is to is to get people thinking and just to to maybe question their beliefs that they've you know have already had, or or maybe something that they haven't really questioned in the past and haven't really thought of. So um, you know, I I I love to hear about this perspective as it's not something that you know I, I normally hear, and it, it, it's good to hear um, this angle.
1: Good. Well. <laughs> yeah. I wish I could say I'd send you a copy of my book, but it's an ebook.
0: So <laughs> okay. uh,
1: I'll email you a copy of my book, and
0: love you. That sounds good. Um, so I guess after that book, or you know, has that prompted you to to write another book? You know, either co-author, or author yourself.
1: Um, I haven't yet done that. Uh, mm-hmm. I think about it a lot. Um, it. Uh, I had a professor in college, a, a mentor of mine, who had written a number of books and. I asked him once, um, "What drove you to do it? It seems like such a daunting task to write a book." And he kind of nodded and said, "Yeah, it is a daunting task, uh, and I would only do it if I have something to say." <laughs> and that really stuck with me. Um, I uh, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I don't have all the academic credentials um, or the experience. Um, and there are a lot of people who deserve to be writing books and I am the person who needs to be buying and reading them. That's sort of my attitude, uh, cause it's true, uh, mm-hmm. it, one of these days, um,
0: maybe, maybe something will pop up where I feel like I, I have something to contribute to the conversation. Um, uh, but, uh, haven't, haven't quite found that thing yet. All right. Um, sounds good to me. Um, so moving forward, um. I guess you know in, in this country, and then you know furthermore, just in, in the world that we live in today. Um, what do you think the, the the future of faith looks like? I, I guess it's a it's a pretty big question. So we can you know you can start high level, or you can kind of get in different examples. However, you wanna yeah, you wanna yeah. answer it.
1: Yeah, tell me tell me if this isn't the conversation you really wanted to have, and we'll just go where
0: you want to go. But... Sure. I think the first thing that came to my mind is that um, there is a future of faith. You know, for,
1: um, for a long time, um, many people would have told you that the trajectory of um, genuine religious belief was on a downward trend, and that as societies became wealthier and better educated and more enlightened, they would necessarily become less religious. Uh, and this goes all the way back to uh, like, like Thomas Jefferson I think used to write about how eventually we'll all be um, uh, Unitarian Universalists and uh, and won't that be a good thing? In the meantime, let's protect the right to religious free exercise. Um, and uh, that is not true uh, if you look at the world today, it's more religious than it was 10 years ago, certainly you can look at uh, public policy, you can look at uh, Uh, Our our national affairs around the globe and see that religion is central to life for billions and billions of people on this planet and it has a real effect on uh, the lives of of Americans Um, I think that surprises some people Um, I would imagine that uh, domestically people who um, are engaged in high uh, pitched policy battles with people of faith maybe are surprised at um, just how strong uh, the, the, the sentiment of faithful people is and their unwillingness to, uh, to let go of it, even in the face of so much cultural pressure and momentum to do so. Um, and I think that's may, maybe, I mean, for all the downsides, for all the things we wish would, would not be the case, um, maybe that testimony um, will be a powerful thing. And cause some people to go, wow, um, what what is it that would cause someone to hang on to um, what appears from an outsider's glance to be merely a, uh, a, a, a religious tenant, uh, even though it's costing them so much? Relationships, job prospects, uh, cultural cachet, all of the way, mm-hmm. just for this religious tenant, why not just let that go? what would cause
0: someone to hang on to something like that? I, I think maybe I'm naive,
1: but I hope that that would, that would inspire some people to, to look a little bit deeper and maybe find something.
0: Mm-hmm. Great. And yeah, I, you know, I, I think especially in, in our country now, and as, as you see, I, I think we're a bit, as you, as you, as you look at the, the demographics and different faith beliefs, um, in the United States, it's, it's very much a melting pot and you see a lot of you know, different people who have immigrated and pe- people who have, um, you know, been, I believe it's unchurched or dechurched, um, and, and just, you know, these, all these different, these different types of people, um, where, you know, I, I there's definitely, there's definitely that, that, I guess that, that medley, uh, in, in different countries, but it's, it might not be as, as prominent. And as we look now into kind of how faith, um, or I guess what's been going on, and just kind of in the news, and I, I kind of I, I use that as one example because there's, you know, there's been an incredible increase in, um, in just you know all these different these um, these examples of uh, terrorist attacks or just these you know these these mass shootings, um, and i and I'm I wonder if this is if this is going to prompt you know prompt some some folks to, to start thinking and start thinking about how we can start unifying and, and, and start finding something that's that's much deeper than, than just just ourselves.
1: Yeah, well, I, I think that's um, a goal
0: that a lot of people <laughs> wish for. And, and one of the neat things about faith is that
1: um, the reason that um, Baptist, which happens to be my faith tradition, um, were so eager to see the First Amendment um, ratified in the Bill of Rights was because they believed that what they believed was true, and that if only given an opportunity to buy for what they believed in the public space, they would win. And so they weren't afraid of other people who believed differently from them. Uh, they weren't afraid of allowing those people to set, set foot in the same public square and have this competition of ideas um, occur because they believed that they would win. And uh, so they didn't have to be scared. They didn't have to feel threatened. They were confident. And even if they didn't convince every person, uh, that was that was okay. Uh, they, they were able to live in the comfort and confidence of, of their faith. There's something about religious belief that I think leads to pluralism uh, if it's properly understood and, and executed, you you can live in close proximity with people who are different from you, learn from them, value them, um, and at the same time retain this this essential aspect of your own nature without it feeling without it feeling threatened. Um, and uh, uh, I, I think that as religion blooms, certainly as religious freedom blooms, we will see greater peace and, and greater prosperity. And there's been some research done, uh, names like Tom Farr and
0: Tim Shaw, who are both at Georgetown, come to mind. They've done research and, and the research shows
1: that wherever religious freedom exists, other basic fundamental human rights and economic prosperity tends to follow and it works in that direction it's not the company that countries excuse me that are economically free lead to religious freedom it, it, it works in the other
0: direction um, there's something so fundamental and unique about the nature of religion in people's lives it's just so basic
1: that um uh, that that it uh, it tends to lead to um, many other human goods when honored.
0: Wow, that's really that's really interesting. I'll have to, I'll have to read more about that. Um, and I, you know, the final few few questions I had, as as I, a lot of folks that are listening to this podcast now, um, I think come from you know different ages, different faith experiences, and different backgrounds. Um, kind of at a pretty high level and just wanted to know some advice you have for people who are looking to get started and learn more about Jesus
1: oh wow good question Uh, (laughs) yeah Um, you know I love to read um, and so you know I I could recommend uh, several books and I will but let me start in a different place and say find a good church and just go uh, people at church are really nice. They're really welcoming. You're not going to experience judgment. You're not going to experience curiosity, being the being the, the, the sort of uh, uh, weird weirdo who walked into a room told people who all know and love each other. Um, uh, church is great. And if you are looking for resources on finding a good church in your area, um, if you don't happen to know somebody who who is a regular church attender, um, you can go to a place like uh, well, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Southern Baptist churches, you can go to their website, Southern Baptist Convention, Acts 29 is a church planting network of some really serious faithful churches most of which, in my experience are, are awesome um, so that's that's just two places uh, mm-hmm. I'd recommend for people to start and, uh, and just experience it for yourself, introduce yourself to the pastor let him know who you are, he'll, he'll buy you a cup of coffee and you all can talk and and get plugged in in that way. Um, Mere Christianity is C.S. Lewis, uh, uh, probably the book everyone would point to if you ask them this question outside yep. of scripture. Um, it's just a wonderful book. Another one that's a favorite of mine is Henry Nouwen, um, The Return of the Prodigal Son. Uh, Nouwen is a, a, a Dutch man uh, who had an incredibly difficult life. And uh, yet, in spite of that, um, stayed, stayed close to Jesus and, and wrote some truly beautiful things about his journey. Um, so those are just two of my own um, personal favorites. Other than that, I would say uh, the Gospel of John. And find a Bible and uh, just start reading about Jesus himself uh, in many places in his own words. And uh, that, that's something I try to do regularly in my own Bible study is just go back to the basics with the Gospels and uh, remind myself who this, who this man was and, and why what he did is so um, so important
0: <laughs> well great thank you very much I appreciate that and yeah there's I, I love to ask this question and um, you know there's definitely some overlap um, with with different responses but I, I also you know learn new, new books or just like new new ways of, of I, I guess starting to explore your faith too so it's it's always great to hear.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. What would you say?
0: Yeah, I I think the biggest thing for me is um, starting with a a community that, whether it's a you know whether whether it's a church or you know if you're in 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 college, uh, um, finding a different campus group or you know even just some people that might be of Christian faith and you can just kind of you know chat with them once a week and just have different conversations with them, ask them questions. Um, but I think, you know, finding people who you can trust and people who, um, might be, you know, have some, 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 some similarities between you, I think is a good place to start. And, and I've found at least in my, my faith walk, um, I start, I first started with, I played, I went to Stonehill college and I played soccer. So we, we, we held an athlete's Bible study. So this, we, a lot of us, Spent a spent a lot of time doing doing the same things, you know, training, playing in games, being with team, being with the team, and then you know, studying and, and going to school as well. So, I think finding some folks that have some similarities between you is a good place to start. And then, as I as I as I learn now, it's and as you mentioned, it's good to be in a community that's very diverse and where you are kind of shoulder to shoulder with somebody of a different belief or. Or or somebody who might come from a different, you know, "quote unquote" church.
1: That's great. Yeah, those are really good thoughts. Mm
0: -hmm. Um. Well, thanks. Last Last thing I want to know is, um, what is something that you feel that people should know about you? Um, and then, you know, and then, uh, just where where people can find you too.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, people. I'm
0: on Twitter, as we talked about before. Mm -hmm. Um. Uh, love it or hate
1: it. I don't know. Uh, but I'm on there. Uh, it's just at Eric Tietzel. Um, and I'm on Instagram too, but that's mostly just pictures of my kids.
0: Um, so, um, a lot more important, but if you're interested in these conversations, <laughs> it's not as, yes. not as, not as active. Um, I don't know. What's the thing people should know
1: about me? I, I, I love to have this conversation and, and I, I really, um, hold out the belief that, um, liberalism properly understood. This American experiment, a bunch of people who are not like each other living in close proximity, I think it can work. And uh, I hold a lot of opinions that a lot of people hate. That doesn't cause me to hate them. And I hope it doesn't cause them to hate me. Uh, I think we can find a way to uh, to live side by side in, in peace and uh, to create more opportunity and prosperity for everybody. And, and I want to be part of that process. So, um, I hope that if people are listening and thinking, um, you know, who's this white supremacist, capitalist, patriarchal, cisgender bigot? Uh, that that they would uh, sit down, I'll buy a coffee, and, and maybe we can find some areas where where we actually uh, agree and can recognize the, the inherent dignity in one another and uh, and move forward together.
0: Well, no, I, I think that's a, that's a great way to end too, um, and just really trying to find those those unifying factors that, that, that bring us together. And, um, great. I, I love that.
1: Cool. Well, thanks Tyler. This is fun.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining. And, uh, the last thing I, you know, I'd love for you to close us out in prayer, if that's okay with you.
1: Absolutely. I'll do that. Dear God, thank you so much for uh, Tyler. Thanks for, um, you know, living today and the, at the time and the place in which we live, I'm just constantly amazed, um, at, at the blessings that surround us especially when it comes to technology. My wife just had a baby, and um, uh, modern medicine is a miracle. And and I think that Tyler and I can connect and talk about you over a computer um, from a 1,000 miles away is miraculous. Um, So um, thank you for blessing us in this way. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. um, And I pray that he and I both and everyone listening would recognize these these miracles all around us and, uh, and use them, steward them. Um, you've given them to us, I think for a reason. And that reason ultimately is to honor you, to worship you, to live lives that are proof of the fact that you live within us and the hopes of creating, um, even more disciples. So, uh, give us eyes to see and your, your opportunities to do that. Um, thank you for everything you are. Uh, we pray all this in your name. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you all for joining another episode of the Guys Like Us podcast. It was a pleasure having Eric Tietzel on today and hearing a bit more about him and beliefs that he holds and, and, and different experiences as well. If you have any questions um, for Eric, for myself, as always, f- please feel free to reach out. Eric can be found on Twitter at Eric Tietzel. Uh, that's probably the best way to reach him. And please also leave a review and give us a, a rating as well on, on the iTunes podcast platform. We are constantly looking to, to grow and develop this community, and all of your support is much appreciated. Thanks.